Hey everyone, Alex and Wade here for Retire with Style. And we're happy to thank everyone who joined the raffle for the 100th episode. We do have our three winners selected and the winners have been contacted. So please check your email for a message from Retirement Researcher. Thanks again. The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Hey everyone, we're here live doing our first YouTube live on our hundredth episode, if you can believe that. Wade has not walked out <laughs> once in the middle of one of these episodes. It's been close. That that in and of itself is uh is, is is a miracle, right? Uh but speaking about putting things together and, and keeping the engine humming. You know, in our 100th episode, we wanted to make a point, Wade, myself, and Bob, to bring out Bree and Amber. They have been essential to the success of this podcast. As you know, where, you know, folks are always on the shoulders of giants, and I'm sure Bree and Amber need a break from carrying <laughs> us. But I wanted to bring them here and just thank them for all the work they've done. Bree, Amber, any any intro, any words, any observations, <laughs> thoughts, etc. You didn't say we had to speak, Alex. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's been it's been a wild ride. I don't think any of us um, really knew we'd get to 100 full episodes. Um, but excited to be here. Excited that everyone's been enjoying it. We've had a lot of great feedback um, on all the episodes. So excited to be a part of it. Excellent. Yes. Amber, Amber decides you're waiting. Do I say something? Do I keep quiet? Do I say something? Do I keep quiet? You don't need to say anything, Amber. Your face, your, your look says it all. <laughs> Being that this is on YouTube Live, you can check out what she has to say. Exactly. She's a very emotive actor. Yeah. All righty. Well, let's... Yeah, thank you both. Then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have fun, guys. It is pretty remarkable to get to episode 100. I I think a number of us had our doubts we'd ever make it, but but thank you both. And thanks, everyone, for listening and being part of the ride. And, yeah, we've got a very special 100th episode in store with this YouTube Live. We're taking questions that you have, and we also requested questions in advance. So we do have a a good stockpile of questions to to lead us through the day. But first, but, but first, speaking about <laughs> doubting Thomases, mm-hmm. but first, speaking about doubting Thomases, who didn't think we'd get to 100, I'd like to introduce <laughs> Bob French. Dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't think we'd get to 10, in all honesty. Yes. For, uh, for years before we started this podcast, Alex has been just harping on us that we need to do a podcast. And... Uh, you know, for those of you who have been around for a while, it was first myself and Morgan saying, no, Alex, we know you. Um, this will, you'll do three episodes 
and then forget <laughs> it. And then uh, Bree took over with me saying, no, Alex, you'll get to four episodes now. We trust you a little bit more. So it's been uh, it's been really great to see just how wrong uh, we were. It's been, you know, it's it's been even greater to see just how funny <laughs> you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had my doubts as well. That was <laughs> right. I'm not sure which <laughs> end of the, of the uh, compliment that is. So it's open for interpretation. What what does it mean to you? Is the question you should be asking yourself. <laughs> By the way, you're not. I, I have a lot. Like a, I don't know. Riverside comes with these tracks. I've been doing like a laugh track and stuff. You guys haven't been hearing that? I no, wonder if it no, comes I haven't. Up, I, you live. referenced that, but I haven't heard anything. I, I have not heard any laugh tracks, Alex. <laughs> not going to mess with it. Not. So wait, any special announcements for us before we get going in our in our uh, magnus opus of small yeah. talk for the first yeah, hundred we were, episode? Is there something you'd so like to talk about? we've been talking about I was going to do 100 uh, push-ups on the day of our 100 podcast. Uh, before today, I think the most I ever got up to is about 65, but I have been doing my push-ups today. I'm at 95 right now. So I thought it'd be fun to get to number 100 live on the episode. Does that sound good? Let's go. <laughs> I'm, doing a, right. I'm doing a drum roll. So I'm not going to be able to position roll. the camera, but here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. And wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. And there he is, Wade Fowl. We can what does he bring to the see table? the corner of his head behind see. his microphone. He brings up, not only does he bring, oh, two, three. Are you going all the way down? And five. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He did it. Wade not only brings gray matter to the podcast, but he brings a level of Muscle physicality. Mass. Not seen. Yeah, muscle mass. His BMI is off the charts. He brings a level of physicality not seen other than first round draft picks. It's unbelievable. He hasn't he has all the intangibles. He's able to create separation. He's able to get great separation when it comes to his peers. He's got a good motor, never stops. He's that keyboard, he wears out like a keyboard a week. it's, It's unbelievable. You should see our you should see our PNL when it comes to weights <laughs> like keyboard and mouse usage. It's it, it's 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 hard to carry. Let me tell you, he's unbelievable. He's that's no, a, a big part of the budget. Say it again. <laughs> it's a big part of the budget. He's a retirement income ball hawk. He's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, defensive presence, offensive presence. In, in one in two words, generational well, talent. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> right, Bob. <laughs> Absolutely. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> yeah, he's got that dog in him. There we go. So a hundred right, push ups where you did it, buddy. That's it. Now I gotta do it every day and keep I got those nothing on way pythons going. There we go. There we go. There we go. This is gonna turn into the gun show podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. And and what about you, Bob? Do you do anything working out? Are you just uh, slacking? So by the way. Just uh, people don't know this, but Bob is talking about generational talent. He's a he's a, he's, a, he's, a, going, Alex. he's a I don't even know what you call it. He's like a frisbee football legend until a back injury <laughs> took him out. Until a back injury took him out, he wore a headband, wristbands, everything. He even had a camelback. He played with one of those camel packs on the back, so he didn't go out to drink water. He just stayed on the field taking sips. While yeah. he was flipping yeah. that disc, right, Bob? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it went. <laughs> okay. Where were we? Episodes, 100 episodes. And we have live. questions. Yes. <laughs> 
And if anyone who, who's tuned in live on the YouTube uh, live version of this, if you have questions as well, please do feel free to enter those into the comments. And yeah, maybe that's enough small talk. Should we jump into things here? Get the, Get to the big talk now. <laughs> Get to the big talk. All right. Yes, so right. we've got a number of questions that came in to help prepare for the episode. And the first one, it relates to tax planning for retirement, asking about the pluses and minuses. Wait, wait. Thank you for not reading the real first question, which was, <laughs> why Alex? Thank you. <laughs> when is Alex getting Thank the Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do, but they never, they never they always, you know, here I am. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, wait, I interrupt again. Well, so the first question that came in was really just asking about Roth conversions. So what's the pluses and minuses of converting assets to a Roth IRA versus keeping them in an IRA? Do you want <laughs> you know what? Talk, I but... should ask the questions, and that way you guys can answer. answer it. <laughs> this is the last time uh, we all try and be polite here. So it's just it's it's just a tax break even question. To be honest yeah. with you, from that standpoint, I mean, you can make the case that you know you should strive to do it, you know, as much as possible, you know, relative to your goals, especially if you have sort of bequest things, but ultimately. It's really a, a, a tax uh, optimization question more than anything for a spreadsheet to answer. Yeah, and, right. and also when you're doing that sort of calculation, that's where all the nonlinearities of the tax code come into play. We're planning ahead for what RMDs can do, considering how generating income can also lead to more taxes on Social Security benefits, considering the IRMA surcharges, the 3.8% net investment income tax. All that sort of thing means that you're, if you, you think you may be in like the 12 or the 22% federal income tax bracket, but when you overlay this later in retirement, especially after social security starts, you could be paying in the ballpark of 40% or more on each dollar of income. Uh, I sh also should have mentioned just how you stack long-term capital gains on top of ordinary income as well and how that can push up the tax rates. So in that regard, it can be helpful to get assets moved over to the Roth. It's just, of course, you you have to generate taxes when you do that. But it's really, as you're saying, the question of when can you generate taxes at the lowest effective marginal tax rate, considering all these other side issues as well. And if you have opportunities to do that at a lower tax rate, it's definitely worth taking advantage <laughs> of in most cases. Yeah, I I will put a little bit of caution on that statement that everything Wade you just said is absolutely right, but it's it's one of those things also that a lot of people focus on to the detriment of of other stuff. So, for instance, uh, last month in the academy, you know, during our office hours, we do our portfolio hot seat where I work with one of the members and anonymously walk through their portfolio, and one of the things they were concerned about. It was Roth conversions um, because they had met with one of the advisors through their company's 401k plan. And the advisor was actually talking about retiring early to be able to maximize her Roth conversions without recognizing that retiring early means <laughs> not earning a salary. Uh, so the net effect was they ended up with significant or they would have ended up with significantly less money 
than just not doing the Roth conversions and still working. Um, there's a lot of folks who are very monomaniacally focused on minimizing those taxes in retirement. Whereas you, as Alex said, it's going to be that break-even calculation. You want to focus in on your overall net worth or overall plan rather than the specific tax line item there. And the, the only thing to, to add is conceptually, though, what you're ultimately, I'm assuming you're no longer accumulating and now you're in that stage where you've retired now mm-hmm. and you're thinking, do I convert? I mean, the, the question you want to ask yourself is what tax bracket am I currently in, Right. And is it going to be higher or lower than what I expect it to be in the future? And then that begins to, to guide your decision to some extent. Assuming that, you know, you want to go through the process, you're asking yourself, is it easier for me to pay taxes now and then more beneficial because everything is tax free into the future, you know, at least for my lifetime versus I'm just going to keep things tax deferred right now, not pay any tax, you know, not, not, you know, let it grow tax deferred. And in the future, potentially my tax rate will be lower than what it is now. Hence, I'm just going to tap into it later in the future. You know, it's that kind of give and take that you're conceptually playing with. And it's just a matter of doing calisthenics around future current mm-hmm. and future tax rates. And what's the right balance between them? But that, it is hard to conceptualize because at. there are these non-linearities and especially RMDs are the, the big thing mm-hmm. that if you're not doing the tax planning, yep. you may be surprised at how much you're required to pull out as taxable income in the future which then can cause all these other issues that compound the uh, tax impacts. But yeah, you never, you never want to just minimize taxes. Like you were saying, Bob, that's yeah. If you don't earn any income, you won't have any taxes, but (laughs) if you earn more (laughs) income, you're going to have more taxes. (laughs) And and so that that didn't work out. That didn't pinch. It's really about like maximizing the after tax value of your purchasing power in terms of either what you're spending or what you leave behind as a legacy, but on an after-tax basis, not just minimizing taxes. Often the best strategy may have more taxes because it allows for more growth and more uh, more legacy at the end more or more spending throughout the retirement itself. So don't just try to minimize taxes. Look for opportunities to maximize after-tax spending. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, we got we got Karen here saying yay for a hundred push-ups. <laughs> well, technically, the last five. Karen, we haven't seen we Sunday. didn't see We're Wade doing his work. first ninety-five. <laughs> we didn't see him do the first ninety-five, and really, we couldn't see him do the last five because <laughs> he went he went under the desk. So I am going to choose to believe him and congratulate him, <laughs> as you are as well. So way to go, Wade. That's Way right. to go. It's on the honor system. And I thought I'd be a lot sore yeah. after that, but it, doing so maybe tomorrow. But, but thank you, Karen, for the, the nice words. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Eat a banana. Eat a banana. <laughs> and, and we do have some questions coming in with the, the live portion as well that we may want to go ahead and address those. I'd prior, we'll make sure we get through all the questions that came in right, beforehand right. too. Uh, another Okay. Live chat so live, question is asking about something called pension maximization. Uh, it, and it's not an area that I've ever really done any particular research, but we can at least mention what that is. And so people at least have the idea. So if you ever heard of this idea of a, a pension maximization strategy, it's the idea that if you have a defined benefit pension, you have a, a single life option to get a payment for one lifetime. 
you have a joint lifetime option to get the payment for both you and a spouse. The joint payment will be less because it's going to last for the joint lifetime of two individuals. So pension maximization is about looking at, if I take the single life option, how much more income would I get than the joint life option? Could I use that to purchase a life insurance policy, like with the premium being the difference between those two um, pension payments uh, that I could then provide to the surviving spouse and allow them to potentially, the idea is if you find the opportunity where this is worthwhile, you could potentially get a lot more life insurance that way, which would then allow the surviving spouse, should that spouse be the survivor, to purchase a bigger uh, annuity of their own in the future. It's definitely something worth considering and looking at. You do need to be eligible for life insurance, which can be more difficult when you're getting to the ages where you're taking on pensions. But uh, yeah, that it's it's something you can look at when you're making those decisions. Okay. Wait, just real quick. Where did you uh, see that Teams. question? <laughs> this is in the Teams chat. Uh, and, then, okay. and there's another question, too, while we're on that theme. So the thoughts on using the home yeah. equity conversion mortgage, a- a.k.a. what we usually colloquial call, colloquially call a reverse mortgage, line of credit as bucket number one in a three-bucket strategy. And I guess with that question, the, the idea there is we're building a bucketing strategy, so we're going to spend the short-term bucket first, uh, then we have a medium-term bucket, then a long-term bucket. So if you just spend the heck down as bucket number one in retirement, I have simulated that strategy in, in past uh, research. It's just, it's kind of, it's the same or equivalent to spend heck first. And it's a way to leverage your investment assets mm-hmm. because you're, you're relying on the idea that your investments will earn a higher rate of return than the loan balance will grow with the heck But if you're more probability-based in outlook, you may be comfortable taking on that sort of opportunity. And on average, investments probably will grow faster. And that's, that would be the guiding motivation behind it. So I, it, it's a viable strategy for sure. If you're, if you're comfortable with the assumption and with the asset allocation necessary to have your investments have the potential to outperform uh, what the loan would be growing at with the HECM. All right. Yeah. Um, so, a tips <laughs> question, Bob. Maybe yeah. uh, you want to add value to this podcast? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pretend. <laughs> huh? With the current treasury and tips yield close to 5%, how would someone best go about buying a pension. So I'm, I'm assuming this means, well, buying a pension. I mean, I guess buy an annuity. Spia probably is what they mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, spia. it's, yeah, the annuities kind of cost what they cost. Um, I imagine with rates going up, they're costing a little bit more. I don't imagine. I know they're costing a little bit more than in the past, a few years back, because at the end of the day, Annuities are just bonds with an insurance wrapper put around it. So, you know, they're a little bit more expensive. Um, Rising rates will make annuities cheaper. They kind of cost what they cost. (laughs) I don't know what. Yeah, the idea of buying a pension is if you don't have a traditional company pension, sometimes you can, people refer to annuities as like self-made pensions. Yeah. Yeah, as interest rates come up, the the payout rates on annuities actually go up as well. Uh, on a relative basis, and this was when interest rates were so low, it's like 
the mortality credits from an annuity are not linked to interest rates, so they became relatively more important. So as interest rates come up, the relative case for the annuities gets yeah. weaker. The, the payments increase, yeah. but the payments on bonds no, I mean, increase as well. Yeah, you can think of it as, you know, there's, they're starting to go on discount. Uh, I, I realized as I was saying it, I was saying it exactly the wrong way. Um, you know, they get, they get cheap. So did I, Bob. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. So as you know, it, it's just like any other good out there that, you know, when prices go down, it becomes more attractive. If you're looking at a car and if you're looking to buy a car and car prices start coming down, well, you start looking at maybe a slightly nicer car. Um, you know, it's the same idea here. You know, they can be really, you know, if you've looked at buying an annuity in the past and decided, hey, you know, it's just not, I'm not interested. I'm not getting paid enough for the amount of money I'm giving to the insurance company. Um, Maybe take another look. You know, it's probably not going to be a massive difference, but it'll be a difference. This is, this is, this is another way I I would look at it. And and wait, after I'm done, you can sort of give me the thumbs up. But also maybe explain how to practically pick one up because this could this question could be, be you know since we don't know the context this could just be like what website do I go to kind of thing, right? But uh, to Bob's point, just to clear it up, remember the 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 income from the annuity comes from two pieces. There's you know the the natural rate the the you know the the rates are set, you know, and it plays off of government bonds or whatnot. But then there's the there's a mortality component to it, right? And when, when when rates are low, the proportion of income coming from the mortality inherently becomes, you know, a, a greater share of it. When rates are higher, you know, proportionally speaking, the income coming from the mortality, albeit more than bonds or whatever, proportionately it becomes less as a percent of total income. So that's the, the point Bob was trying to make. Now... <laughs> From the standpoint there, how's that for a, a save? It's not just Thank fun you. with me. Thank you, It's Alex. not just laughs or whatever. I'm not just comic relief, right? We no, you're explaining <laughs> it beautifully. But, but, thank you, thank you. Eloquently, eloquently. You throw in the SAT. My kids are taking the SATs today, actually. Uh, <laughs> but then, I don't actually know, other than I would say talk to an advisor, Adam McLean. Yeah. But without sounding like that, how would, how would someone go best go about looking into it from a consumer standpoint? Not like, the theoretical piece, but okay, let me go to this website and start from here. Well, this question was part of a, like a very long series of questions that all link together. I don't think they were <laughs> asking that specifically. It's okay. And well, let's, let's ask that separately because it is a, an important one. I mean, it, wait, if I'm looking to go buy an annuity, where, where do I go? How do I do this? I, for the most part, it's not going to be a direct-to-consumer experience. You do have to work through some financial professional. Of course, McLean Asset Management can be a resource for this. There are some different websites out there that may appear, for the most part, as their direct-to-consumer. And it, they it's because they behind the scenes, there is an insurance agent on record. But they can give you that sort of experience. That would be more in the income annuity world whenever you start talking about the variable annuities and so forth, it, you probably at some point are going to have a human intermediary <laughs> as part of that um, effort. But uh, yeah, you have to find a financial professional that you trust and are, are happy to work with to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and just Here's to add a- on to that, you know, I mean, it's speaking as all three of us, are principals over at McLean, um, you know, I mean, 
there are advisors there who are perfectly happy to or perfectly eager to help you figure out what you're looking for and and be able to do that um, as well as as Wade said, definitely some online tools there as well. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. Sure. And so here's a question from Karen. Why is it so hard to find an excellent fiduciary advisor that will give us personalized advice and direction, but let us manage our money? We would like to find someone hourly to help us strategize. Well, okay. Uh, For me, I'll I'll, I'll be, you know, I I think through the course of this podcast, we've been very candid uh, about these kind of things. Uh, The truth is that advisors' business models just aren't geared towards hourly. Most of them. There's many advisors that listen to this show. And so I don't want to sound negative or positive or whatever. I'm just kind of maybe speak just from the business of advice, right? And disagree, agree, it it is what it is, right? Uh, It becomes a business model question. And frankly, the top advisors gravitate towards the business model that's assets under management because they provide the advice within a holistic piece. And that's one of, that's one of the main pieces. Now, you know, it's the business they chose to follow. And what you'll find is a lot of the top, top advisors, that's just how they are. You know, that's, that's, that's almost a default to doing it. And the reality is that economics, you know, favor that model over others. And I don't see that changing, frankly. Now, something that we've done you know, with McLean and with retirement researcher, simply because of, you know, retirement researcher was Wade's blog initially. And we turned that into effectively a a membership site where folks can just learn, you know, learn, do it yourself, knock yourself out, because that's the only way we could scale. You know, it's, it's, you can't, you know, if you called Wade, hey, Wade, I'd like to, you know, ask you what your hourly rate is or, or whatnot, or Bob, what's your hourly rate? The reality is, in economics, the economies of rent go to the scarce resource, you know, and that's another way of saying it would it wouldn't be cost effective for you to hire Wade or hire Bob on an hourly basis, nor would they want to, simply because it doesn't scale, you know, from a business standpoint. And so, retirement researcher and, and the like that we thought that's a great way where folks can do that. But then we also realize, you know, to your point, you know, could we sort of create uh, you know, some sort of hourly component to it. And where we landed is not hourly. We just don't like that dynamic. Uh, we have many lawyers that are clients. And to a T, the first words out of their mouth is, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of tracking my time. I want out. We get CPAs that come into this industry. And they're like, I can't believe I was doing this hourly gig. It's terrible. I hate it. Why would we jump into that fray? <laughs> You know, it, it's bottom line is that maybe the consumer wants it, but that's, you know, that's not. Normally that's this not. explanation is, you know, it doesn't provide the best experience to the client either. No, that but yeah, yeah it's fine. But, and but everyone, I think, listens to that and thinks, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> let's just get down to it here. And so the reality is, though, we did open, you know, we do have just with retirement researcher, if you just want to do a plan, 
will, you know, price it and that's that. You know, it could just be a plan and you go back into how many hours that take and divide it and figure out an hourly, but that's a one-time plan. So there are advisors that are beginning to play with that, but you're not going to see a lot, especially at this level. You know, you may see folks getting into the industry and things like that, doing that, but that's just another business model mm-hmm. altogether. I don't know. That's but you know, we do have those at McLean, we do have those one-time plans that do kind of do exactly what you're looking for there, Karen, where an advisor will work with you, figure out what needs to happen, you know, how do you move forward, give you that blueprint, and then you go do it. You go do the implementation. And they'll be there to, to be able to help you with questions and follow-ups and stuff like that. But you're the one in charge of that. You know, you paid for a specific product and then you go do it. And that does require getting over the inertia of <laughs> you receive this plan. You you yep. really do need to go and do it. And I think certainly for like the kinds of folks that we meet through retirement research and with the podcast and so forth, they, they do have the capacity to move forward and do it. And so that one-time planning option could be more valuable. But I think part of the reason why advisors might stick more with an assets under management model too is just because they know that that inertia they if they give someone a plan nothing's ever going to happen and they would actually like to see things followed through with and make sure that the appropriate actions are taken and so by just having the advisor do that as part of the engagement it, it makes it much more streamlined for most most consumers not everyone but but most people appreciate that sort of approach so you got a blend of three perspectives. There's the business angle, there's the you know execution angle, and there's just the you know doing the work angle at the same time. No, that's great. Uh, here's a quick uh, add-on question for the for you, Bob. Yep. Uh, what level of education does someone need? For, and this is not we're not trying that. Yeah, <laughs> These are actual questions. I think this is what, what level of education question here? Yeah, yeah, what level of education for uh, for retirement researcher academy? Yeah, no, and Anne's mentioning she's a CFA and she's read Wade's book uh, or books. I think yeah, books plural Thank in you. the question. Um, it's what I generally, especially so when I'm talking to outside people coming in to do presentations. So I, in fact, this afternoon I'm talking to someone over at Dimensional about our workshop in December on women and financial planning. How I present this is, you know, the folks in the academy uh, are very sophisticated, you know, but it's not their day job. So, you know, for folks in kind of that mutual fund working with advisors type of the world, I present it as they're oftentimes as knowledgeable about the advisor, but you need to give them one or two more connections give them one or two more pieces of context. Um, so it's it's very in-depth. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'll say it, in the weeds in a lot of cases. Wade, your workshop yesterday on Medicare was about four hours. Um, but at the same time, it's really designed for people who are, you know, smart people. But this isn't their job. They want to learn more about the topic. Um, you know, it's not just going to be purely hey, here's this social security handbook and all the regulations. It's designed to give you the context. It's designed to give you the information that you need to make the decisions and implement the plan that you want. You know, Bob, it may be a good idea to come up with like a demographic profile. Yeah. 
you know, simply because I, I, th- I think it could come up, uh, you know, on, on, on different occasions. But here's a side funny note. Wait, and I'll remind you, we did when we did our pilot study for the RISA, we included a financial literacy quiz in it. And the consumers, the individuals yep. did better on the financial and the financial literacy wasn't it was a it was a numeracy, not, not financial literacy. So numeracy is just math questions, you know, like who's buried in Grant's tomb, <laughs> but with math. Right. <laughs> and uh, and the advisors did worse than the consumers that were part of. Yep. The Retirement Researcher Academy. Remember that way? <laughs> we were like laughing because we were like, oh my goodness, look at this. So it, it's, it, we know our audience. And so, you know, we try to, we're naturally, we're, they naturally were drawn to us because we have a certain level of, of how we write. And so we don't necessarily dumb anything down, nor do we make it more complicated than necessary. We just provide the information that we yep. feel will get you to where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. We assume you're all smart people and we give you that information and, you know, try and provide it in a reasonably entertaining way. That's right. Yeah. Okay. See, there are more questions coming in. I think that one of these questions is probably from the person. So we, we do have all the, all these yeah. tips, annuity combination questions there. We'll, we'll continue with those, but maybe the, before we get back to that again, there's another interesting question with the total return portfolio and now with higher interest rates, can a, a 60-40 asset allocation, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, uh, is the 4% rule safe? I think is basically what the question's getting at. And yeah, yeah that, I, really I mean, I, a little bit of commentary on that. So I'll be going to the Bogleheads conference this weekend. And, and so I trying to catch up on what the Bogleheads are talking about and one of the things that annoys me <laughs> about some of their opinions is, well, right now with tips, you can definitely support over 4%. The, uh, if you build a tips ladder, you're going to be getting somewhere around 2.4% real is kind of the average yield coming out of that. And I'd have to check, but that's going to support dramatically higher than 4% as a sustainable initial spending rate over the next 30 years. Uh, so then, but then people take that and say, oh, so that means there's no such thing as a 4% rule. Of course, 4% is safe. The 4% rule doesn't assume you build a 30 year tips ladder. It assumes you use a 60, 40 portfolio or anywhere from 50 to 75% stocks that creates sequence risk that creates uh, market volatility. Just because you can support 4% with a tips ladder doesn't mean you can automatically support 4% with a diversified portfolio. However, that being said, there's certainly a correlation. Uh, when interest rates are higher, it is much easier to support 4%. And now with tips yields in that 2.4% range, yeah, I can't really say that the, the there's no, this is probability based versus safety first. If you're probability based, certainly today, there's Mike. a much better probability that the 4% rule would work than a few years ago when interest rates were dramatically lower. My, my, without knowing the, the gentleman that, that wrote this in and thankful for writing it in, right? I, we appreciate the, the contribution. But again, in the interest of, of just being candid, I don't like that question. <laughs> to me, that question, no, I mean, uh, look, there's many questions I ask that are stupid, so that's fine. You know, but I don't like that question because I think it's the wrong frame of reference to be thinking about it. it you know, if you're deciding to take a total return approach, and if you're in a 60-40 portfolio, and if you look at the historical numbers off of that, I think you base your decision on something like that, right? 
I mean, to me, what's happening now, you know, to some extent is you're, 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 you're being, you, you, you can be, and I'm saying this and speaking in generality, so I apologize here, but it's, it's just, you're using the current situation to then guide what's happening tomorrow. And you're always going to be playing this musical chairs when the whole point of all these studies was just to say, how would this perform throughout the entirety of an investment horizon? To me, this question opens the door for getting in, getting out. Let me do this now. Let me not do this now. You know, that kind of thing. And I, I just, I, I just don't like it because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's almost as much about a philosophy of, of how you want to do this than at, you know, picking a particular time and saying, oh, if interest rates are high right now, you know, now I can take out 4%. And if they lower, then you're going to, I don't know. It just gets into this rigmarole that I don't think you want to be thinking about when, when retirement income comes to play. Bob, maybe you cannot find a better way of saying that, but no, I don't think I, you're I think, thinking too differently than I am. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there is always the idea that the best predictor of future interest rates are today's interest rates. Um, they're bad predictors, but they're the best ones we got. That being said, we do need to kind of look at the broader historical context, which Alex, you're getting at, which is why kind of on that, you know, the risky part of your portfolio, you know, where interest rates are, as we were talking about, does support higher levels of potentially higher levels of spending from reliable income sources, be it a bond ladder, an annuity, what have you. But for that risky portion of the portfolio, this is where that probabilistic Monte Carlo type of analysis comes in so strongly, um, being able to kind of analyze, you know, hey, here's what I want to do. How likely is it that this will work out? And then, you know, what happens when it doesn't work out? And then being able to layer on, you know, distribution rules like we have in the payroll calculator in the academy to analyze but, it from that perspective. But, but make no mistake about up, it. Yep. Make no mistake about it. There is no safe withdrawal rate exactly. from a risky portfolio, be it 4%, be it 3.5% because rates are lower or whatever. That's that's where, that's what people, I think, just keep on just conveniently overlooking yep. when they when they begin this strategy. And that's that's why I, I don't uh, And there are, like there are people question. who are fundamentally comfortable relying on historical data and not comfortable relying on any anything else, not re comfortable relying on the idea that today's bond yield is the best predictor of future bond returns. And it took me a long time to really understand that mindset, but it is out there. And that's why this like questions about things like the 4% rule live on. It's like, okay, it worked in historical data. So cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But this is actually a good entree into, you know, another question here, getting into that, the different approaches, you know, we've got Karen talking about, you know, as asking straight up, do some people other than herself not like yeah, annuities? <laughs> um, you know, they don't they just don't appeal to her. And it, that's fine. There's I mean, the whole company of Risa is literally based on the idea that there's different approaches. Some people really like annuities. Some people they're the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, it's really going to come down to what makes you comfortable. The same idea with you know, these conversations about distribution rates, what type of distributions, yeah. how much and what types of risk are the ones you feel most comfortable with? Yeah, I, I would say for Karen, I, I, I think that's a, it's a question that 
this is where the marketers want. There's two, there's two issues here I'd like to lay the groundwork for. The marketers have won. The marketers for assets under management have won this sort of the current zeitgeist of, of how to take income from a portfolio. They just have. The other piece, uh, let me just read the whole question. Do some people besides me not like annuities? They don't appeal to me, but I also don't really understand them. And I have seen advisors that did not do well for my parents. Helpful answer. This is a perfect encapsulation of, of what of mm-hmm. what happens. Uh, let's begin with: Do some people like me not? Do, do people besides me not like annuities? That's effectively. Am I taking crazy <laughs> pills, or is, is you know why isn't everyone like this? You know that kind of thing. Uh, the marketers have won. The marketers for Ken Fisher and and in these sort of AUM driven firms have won, right? Because the fact that she's asking this means, oh, what's going on here? They don't appeal to me, but I also don't really understand them. Boom. I don't understand this. I hear in the noise that they suck, so I'm out of here. I'm not even going to ask. All right? That kind of thing. And then it seems I have seen advisors do this for my parents, and they they, they railroaded them effectively. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of annuity salesmen are paying for the sins of their fathers, largely, 100%. You know, there's a reason why the marketers have won. And so ultimately, Karen, what I would say is, we did a whole arc on annuities that was five or, or six episodes. I would say if you don't really understand them and you're looking at it from the standpoint of a retirement income you know, point of view, you owe it to yourself to do it. I mean, that way, if you come back and write to us, the question of I don't really understand them disappears. Or, or yeah, pick chapter up five of retirement like planning guidebook. And then I think, <laughs> look at that, look at that. But, but also, look at this take, guy. Take the reset. Look at this and guy. If, because this yeah, issue exactly. of yeah annuities, like like Alex is saying, annuities have become a dirty word in U.S. English. I was once asked when I lived in Japan, like, why does English have these two different words, pension and annuity? In Japanese, there's just one word. Don't they mean the same thing? Uh, that was the idea that they should mean the same thing. But then it's all related to tax law and how annuities got certain tax deferral benefits. And so then they became treated more as investment vehicles instead of as insurance products and whole rigmarole of yeah annuities and pensions are not social security is an annuity uh it provides lifetime income and that's the the traditional idea of what an annuity is uh but if your retirement income style is total returns then yeah maybe your intuitions are completely justified annuities are not going to be right for you if your retirement income style is income protection though that's where you might want to spend some more time making sure that do you understand what these are, what they can do, how they might contribute to your financial plan in a manner that might ultimately make you feel more comfortable with your retirement? Because they're, they're financial products that will appeal to some people, will not appeal to other people. And that's, yeah, that's what the Retirement Income Style Awareness is meant to do, is help, help you determine <laughs> your preferences for how you think about things so you can get uh, a, finan- a strategy that will be right for you. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results. 